You're listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we discuss the 2023 Oscars and the season three premiere of The Mandalorian on Disney+. But first, if you're among our tens of listeners or new to our podcast, please help us out by smashing that like or subscribe button and give us a five-star review on any and all the platforms you're listening on. Maybe even tell a friend or loved one about us and share the link to this episode. Nelson. (laughs) Yes. You're already laughing. (laughs) Sounds like you may have something to tell (laughs) Yeah, you know, look, it's March. Mm -hmm. Spring is upon us. Yeah. For our tens of listeners out there, you may find yourself in the next week or so on spring break, on vacation. And what better time when you're in the company of strangers, meeting new people, be it, say, in line, at Disneyland and you're chatting somebody up or, you know, at the, you know, hotel poolside bar and you happen to meet, you know, that that uh, a, a certain someone that you're striking up conversation with, whatever it may be. What an opportune time to say, hey, do you listen to podcasts? I love podcasts. Throwing down. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that helps you connect with strangers like talking about podcasts you listen to. That's right. <laughs> you say, hey, I listen to this amazing podcast called The Final Take, where they talk about TVs and movie movies. They're they're brothers in law. They seem to enjoy each other's company and talking about all of, all of this pop culture happenings. I think you should should listen to it on any and all podcast platforms. There you have it. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds fantastic, man. I yeah, yeah. And, you know, just uh, sitting at a bar talking about Ukraine. Yeah, just just then, natural hey, conversation, oh, right? Do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> when is this Ukraine thing going to end? You listen to podcasts? <laughs> um, all right. Well, hey. It's a natural conversation, right, Tim? That's right. Just perfect. It flows. All right. So the what do they call it? The movie's biggest night? Is that what, that, is that what it's called? I think the, so. The, the moniker? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to award. I used to pay attention to award shows. I do not anymore. Uh, you know yeah. why? Because you, you know, it's you know, not everything can get nominated or anything like that. And it's just, yes. you know, it's a lot of you know, patting yourself on the back for for a job well done. I mean, not that you haven't already won the lottery by being paid seven figures to be in a movie. Um, oh, so, Tim. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, Tim, that brings us to our first topic of, of this podcast. The Oscars. The Oscars. So 
like death and taxes. Another award season has culminated with the 2023 Academy Awards. This mm-hmm. year, there were fewer slaps, but just as many twists and turns and surprises. So we'll discuss what the Academy got right, what they got wrong, maybe give some love to some of the Oscar-nominated movies along the way. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I think we, we both agree on this, what they got right, everything, everywhere, all at once, dominated the night. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it, that it, there wasn't really much competition. Um, right. I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, Brendan Fraser's performance in The Whale was was nothing short of spectacular. But um, everything, everything, all everything, everywhere, all at once was um, there. There just wasn't any competition as far as what came out last year. You know, and that you was know, such a spectacular film. It was. There was. Uh, uh, I think in a lot of years, this movie would have mm-hmm. done very well, but yeah. I think it was it was at the end when when they were accepting for uh, best picture, where they're mm-hmm. like this weird little movie with all these weirdos, like yeah, is so different from anything else that we've seen before, and you know they pushed every single idea to the nth degree. Yeah. Um I think every single award was deserving. I mean, just to tick them off, the seven wins were for for best supporting actor, best supporting actress, um lead, uh, actress in a lead role, best director, best picture, best editing and best original screenplay. I mean, and looking at the competition, I mean, I think the other the other films that were nominated for multiple awards were like all quiet on the Western front, the whale. Uh, what else, what else am I missing? Um, let's see. Banshees of insurance. Um, the Fablemans, um, were all, were all nominated multiple times. I mean, uh, even from a blockbuster perspective, I think the main blockbusters really didn't get a whole lot of love. I mean, the Batman, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, and and Top Gun Maverick. Oh, uh, Avatar, Avatar Two got some nominations. I don't know, Elvis. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at all of these, and, and and you can see where like they received a lot of their nominations just because they were like the top movie of their genre. Right. So like, you know, you, you have your tent poles of, you know, avatar, Batman, Elvis is your, you know, your, your, your premier biopic of the year. Um, Top Gun, another, you know, tent pole movie, long awaited sequel. Uh, what else? I mean, All Quiet on the Western Front was, you know, the the celebrated foreign film. Um, but I, you know, same with Banshees of Insurance. I, I just, I just think that ev- everything, everywhere, all at once was easily, you know, head and shoulders above the competition this year. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, 
I do have to say that, yeah, they, they definitely got it right. You know, as far as is, is who was, who was nominated and who won. It really wasn't like a popularity contest or, or someone got a token uh, award or anything like that. They just basically got, uh, you know, those who were nominated were well-deserving, but those who won, they definitely won. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, snubs, what's your snubs? Oh, one other thing that I think they got right. Yeah. And I, I think this is something that they've been trying to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's trying to do recently, but it's, it's become like glaring recently, but trying yeah. to set up like these moments. And when Harrison Ford was, uh, introduced the best picture, and then the whole cast of everything everywhere all at once came up to the mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. And he and Kihi Kwong hugged. Yeah. I mean, I turned into a puddle. <laughs> yeah, I saw the um the uh where they they showed the picture of him, them two hugging when they were in uh Temple of Doom. And yeah. then uh, uh, you know, hugging now, you know, it's been a year of every time their paths have crossed, <laughs> you know, they have those, those pictures of one, you know, from was like 35 years ago or 30. Oh yeah. Maybe more than that. Like, t- was it like 85 or something like that? It was on that. Came something out. like that. Yeah. Almost like 40 <laughs> so, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know if you have got a chance to see the Kihi Kwong um, press, you know, once you win your award, you, they they kind of shove you off stage and you go to the press room. Yeah, and, I, I haven't um, seen that. Yeah, it was pretty cool because he 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 everybody kind of applauds him and he talks about his personal story and stuff like that. Sure. And 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 he answered a few questions and stuff and and he talked like Corey Feldman had texted him earlier in the day and and his one of his best friends and his entertainment lawyer is is uh, Jeff Cohen who played Chunk in the Goonies. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and he he happened to mention that um, you know he talks about you know they're they're my brothers for life, my Goonies brothers for life, and we never say die. And everybody just erupted in applause. Oh, that's awesome! And, yeah, it was pretty cool because I mean that would have been a perfect you know when he when he did say you know he was talking about his dreams, you know never give up on your dreams. Oh sure. Um, you know he, he would have said because I'm a Goonie and Goonies never say die. Oh I man, mean, that would have been amazing. Can you imagine? Oh, oh yeah, crazy. So, but. one other one other thing I want to bring up, mm-hmm. and this is just purely selfish of me yeah. as an Asian American. Mm-hmm. But when Michelle Yeoh gave her acceptance speech, where she yeah. said all the little girls and all the little boys sitting at home look that look like me, yeah, um, you know your dreams can ch- come true, like. I mean, I felt that. Yeah. And yeah, more than anything, I felt that for my kids. I thought sure. that was a really cool thing that, you know, part of her, part of her acceptance speech. And it was just like, it really resonated with me. And I, 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 uh, I thought that was a cool moment. So, yeah. That is, um, that is cool. All right. So snubs, snubs. snubs. Okay. I think we've talked about this one. Um, where this actress was certainly deserving um, of her nomination. I thought she probably should have won, but Angela Bassett for Wakanda forever. 
What do you think, snub? Nah, I don't think so. Really? Nah. Okay. I mean, it was it was a great performance, but I don't I don't think it was necessarily worthy of of actually a win. Okay, but would you say that Jamie Lee Curtis was deserving over her co-star, uh, uh, Stephanie Hsu? Uh, no, I don't think so. Right? I, 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 yeah, I think I think Stephanie Hsu should have won, but I don't I don't think I, I do think that that Jamie Lee Curtis was a close second, and, and maybe she it was, was very like, good in her, her day, you know. But yeah. But, yeah, uh, it, was, it um, was probably as much of a career no, achievement win. It. Yeah, and then, um, but I, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't think Angela Bassett's performance was like, um, you know, it wasn't where that's at. So the part where she's um, like, "I lost my husband, I lost my son, I've lost everybody," like that part, like no. No. <laughs> okay. No. There was one that I saw floating around on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The Batman. And this seems nitpicking because it's like, I guess for superhero and Ted Pole films, like your likelihood of winning one of the premiere awards is. Mm-hmm. it's like a super long shot unless you know like your genre defining i mean even then yeah. like the dark knight like was snubbed in many ways but like this one yeah. this one i've seen a, a, on twitter um the last couple of days the batman was snubbed for best sound editing and they lost mm-hmm. to top gun maverick yeah. and the accompanying like the accompanying um, clip that everyone posts with this, like Batman, the Batman got snubbed was mm-hmm. the scene where you see the Batmobile for the first time. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. Is that watching that in theater was, yeah, like that was just insane. Rattling. Yeah. That was nearly terrifying. If I was, if I was a super villain, if I was a villain and that Batmobile was growling down an alley, yeah, I would yeah. be terrified. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I did have um, – I, I definitely think that the Batman was snubbed for best sound, but there was an Oscar-winning editor that I had seen a, a clip of that they said that the, the film that had the best editing – in uh, of the entire year wasn't even nominated and he pointed out that it was the batman and he said the oh, batman definitely had i saw that too yeah it, it was such yeah yeah the batman was so good it was definitely a fantastic fantastic film it, you know and it was such a different take on on you know when everybody's sitting there having superhero film uh fatigue and people are getting tired of superhero films, you know. I I definitely think that that when somebody's up there reinventing another Batman film, you know, it was um, definitely uh, uh, the way to you know 
that they're they're definitely carving some you know so a new trail a new path oh absolutely you know, absolutely in the genre. for 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 uh for superhero ip that mm-hmm. has had as many iterations as batman going all the way back to the 60s camp show you know and then like the gothic 90s version by um uh what's his name uh tim burton so tim burton's batman and then Mm -hmm. the 90s camp of joel schumacher sure and then and then like reeling it back yeah and then and then the dark knight trilogy mm-hmm. and then now the batman yeah i mean considering how many iterations they've gone through and how many kind of visions of the batman i mean they really did tread new ground with this one even though there already had been like a grounded you know realistic take on it with the dark knight trilogy um mm-hmm. i think i think they did a masterful job Matt Reeves did a masterful job of weaving some of the more like comical aspects of Batman's role gallery, like the penguin. Yeah. With that like grounded realistic take of the dark Knight, right. Of the dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely true. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a snub, but again, you know, that came out in March. Everybody forgot about it. Sure. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. In, in an effort to make as much money as possible on it. Yeah. The, yeah. you know, Warner's kind of screwed themselves come award season. Yeah, that's true. Um, any surprises for you? I think the biggest surprise for me was in the uh, animated, uh, best animated movie mm-hmm. went to, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Okay. Not that it wasn't deserving because I watched it and it was very good. Mm-hmm. It was very, very Guillermo del Toro, including the ending, yeah. which was not necessarily like the happy ending you're used to from the Disney version. Um, And maybe it was kind of a lackluster year for, for, for Disney movie releases just because the year before was so stacked. Um, mm-hmm. I think they had three movies nominated, um, yeah. in 2022. So like, you know, 23, they really just had being read as their, yeah. as their main release. But anyway, um, not, not that it wasn't deserving, but it was just like, wow, like a Disney or, um, illumination film mm-hmm. or even a studio Ghibli film did not win for the best animated picture that was my big like surprise um Mm -hmm. was pinocchio nice nice i I would say my big surprise was that um i didn't put this together but dom hall gleason is actually the son of brendan gleason who was in um uh he was in harry potter and he was also in um nominated for the Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know that they were related. I didn't even think about oh, it. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. Well, now that you mention is, it, like, yeah, they look exactly alike, just, you know, skinnier and yeah, younger. And, yeah, and he had, he had accepted a, 
uh, best actor or, or best supporting actor award at some other award show for him. And he was, and his dad didn't show up on purpose. So oh, hilarious. he would have to accept the award. Yeah. And he wrote an acceptance speech and gave it to his son. So, and then he told a joke and to do it and that he was like, this didn't land. And then he basically says that Jack, that joke didn't land, did it? So, um, <laughs> you know, um, so anyway, um, yeah. So uh, other than that, I mean, it was, it was pretty predictable of who would win. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for the most part. Um, all right. What else you got on the, well, on the Oscars? Yeah. So the final one was like, let's give some love to some movies and some actors and performances that like either maybe were not nominated and probably yeah. should have, or, or they didn't win their category and maybe they should have. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Actually, the first one I want to put on here, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't put in the script here. So uh-huh. I'm going off script, Tim. Uh oh. Um, Look out. <laughs> uh, what is it? The um, man, I was going off script, and I totally lost my lost my train of thought. Actually, we'll go on script, and I'll catch up. Stephanie Shu for her performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once seemed kind of mm-hmm. like. You know, the the one that I got left behind from the main cast, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and she had a very powerful performance. She did. And, you know, very similar in the way that Michelle Yeoh had to embody and, and Ki Kwan had to embody multiple versions of their character mm-hmm. as portrayed in this film. I think she had the same very similar challenge that they did. Um, maybe not to the extreme. Um, but I think she had that challenge of playing their like kind of meek, you know, put upon daughter who's kind of stuck in neutral in her life versus the, you know, godlike powered interdimensional traveling being that, you know, she also plays. Yeah. Right, right. That's true. But yeah, I, uh, I think that I think that she was very deserving, and and you know Jamie Lee Curtis was definitely deserving. But I I kind of felt like Stephanie Hsu should have won that one. Yeah, I definitely agree. It was it's it was a tough choice because I mean she they can't she they can't give Asians all three of them, Tim. That's why they're like <laughs> you know we gave them best support, best actress, and best supporting actor. <laughs> They're like, they're like, hey, we've we've changed. Oscar's not so white. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Oscar hashtag Oscar's not so white. <laughs> we threw you some bones. <laughs> You'd be happy. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, another one that I just I felt like the release of it was was kind of botched and they were always playing catch up and then there was that like irrational backlash um but turning red Mm -hmm. um i really like that movie again from selfishly from an asian american asian perspective and growing Mm -hmm. up with immigrant parents like i totally got 
that movie, like it really connected with me. I was really excited for, for my children yeah. to see it. Cause it was like, man, this is like my experience growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I felt like it probably deserved a lot more love than it got. And it definitely got its fair share of hate. Um, but I, you know, turning red, I, I, I mean, Guillermo del Toro doing an animated f- feature film. I mean, you know, the, the his like visionary director decides he wants to go into animation and he wants to take on one of the classic stories. Yeah, I, I mean, he is gonna win. Sure, because it was such a striking film. And, right, right. and, you know, it, it ticked all the boxes. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, th- I thought Turning Red probably should have deserved more. Uh, it, it actually, it was not qualified to be nominated. Because it went uh, Turning Red. No, it was nominated for, for Animated Picture. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea. I yeah. thought it wasn't qualified because it went they went um, straight to Disney. Disney yeah, Plus I, th- and- I, I think there is like some back and forth on it, but I, I thought I saw it as a, yeah, a nominee. Because they had to have usually have to have a um a theatrical have have a, uh, yeah, you have to have like a one week theatrical le- release in both LA and New York. Yeah. Is usually what qualifies you, but I guess oh it was nominated. Yeah. So All right, so, so I'm ready yeah. for my off script as a g- okay. give some love. Throw it down. The the unbearable, the unbearable weight of massive talent. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Ugh. The Such Nicholas Cage, film. Pedro Pascal, two hander. Yeah. I mean, in a year that included like a high concept off the wall movie, like everything everywhere all at once. Like, of course this movie had to come along at the same time and just get like cast to the side. But it was, it was so goofy and so fun. I mean, I Mm. wish it gotten some love in one of the categories, but alas, not. I know it was, it was definitely quite an original film, you know? Um, And and it was it was one of those it, it was really a I, I think had it been done ten years ago it probably would have been like the next being John Malkovich you know yeah um, or maybe they should have waited till next year or till this year for the to be nominated for the twenty twenty four Oscars uh, it's possible I mean they they could have I mean but it was really uh, um um you know I, I it this coming year is going to be like balls to the wall. I know. Films. I yeah. know it. So, um, you know, they, it, it was a weak year, but at the same time, you know, um, it, that was actually one of the films that did carry the box office, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and it was definitely, definitely a great, great film. All right. So, well, anything else on the Oscars for you? I got nothing. All right. Let's move on. All right. All right, let's move on to another TV medium here. And after a bit of delay from the previous release schedule, the much-anticipated third season of The Mandalorian returns with Pedro Pascal, 
Katie Sackoff, Amy Sedaris, and Carl Weathers. Season three picks up roughly two years. Not my timeline is John Favreau's timeline. Right. Two years after the events of season one of the Bo- Book of Boba Fett, which featured a Mando-centric episode in episode five, where Mando gets a new ship and ultimately reunites with Grogu. And this is where season three picks up. Mm-hmm. Well, so Tim, the town gets a little upgrade. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these once dusty, you know, edge of the... <laughs> known galaxy planets and, 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 and these, and, and these far off towns, which were yeah. once very run down and, and forgot about. Yeah. Are thriving now. I know these once Arizona towns now become Northern California <laughs> towns. Even grief Parga gets like an upgrade. He's yeah. he goes from like dusty old robes to you know he's looking like he's looking like he's droid. he's from yeah, Naboo all of a sudden. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, you know, um, it's it's a good start. I'll say this. I mean, there's been some missteps with the with the Star Wars franchise on on, on Disney Plus. Um, you know, Boba Fett was really just a crossroads um, show where basically kind of just gonna it's gonna split off into different directions with with different shows but um and obi-wan was not as exciting as as it could have been your dirty mouth (laughs) hell no every show does not every episode those are not missteps those are not missteps those were those were written i should say (laughs) um so then Andor, which was basically the most political thing of it's, it's basically C-SPAN in the Star Wars universe. C-SPAN um, in the Star What? Yeah, literally the entire film was Tony Gilroy, man. He doesn't know how to tell anything that's not, not Jason Bourne or politics. So, you know, it just, but I digress. I, what I'm saying is this. The Mandalorian is returning yes. to the Disney Plus. Yes, the, the um, cornerstone, you know, the of cornerstone the Star of Star Wars shows on Disney Plus. You know, for two episodes, and actually one's going to be dropping here shortly. So by yes. the time this airs, the third episode will be out. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's just thrilling and exciting. You know, because I I, I think John Fabro just knows how to do storytelling. Yes, he keeps and, he keeps and, the stories really tight. The, yeah, the action hits when you need it. The exposition right. is just only what you need when you need it. Yeah. it. It doesn't feel like it's too much of people sitting around and talking and 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 going on and 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 beating a point into a. De- I get it, I get it. You're pacing. Yeah. You know, if it has to be 35 minutes, it's it's just 35 minutes. It have, if it has to be 50, it's 50, you know. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, there were episodes of The Mandalorian that are like 23 minutes that are like yeah. sitcom length. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all you need. You know? I know. And, and I know. If you're going to be dozing off in this, you don't need to be 
getting talking to people in the back of a shop. We must do something about this empire. Yes. You know, uh, um, you know, it's just like uh, snooze fest. I mean, come on, wake me up here. Um, so I want to back up for a second. Okay. So the, I I imagine I imagine the producers of Book of Bovet knew that like oh shoot we need like to fill another episode and a half and we don't know if we have the stories and then with production on on the Mandalorian getting pushed back a little bit mm-hmm. that was delayed yeah which delayed the ultimate release of this season i'm sure yeah. they're like we need to give the fans something and so they're we basically like- got season two and a half Mm-hmm. With like an episode and a half of just pure Mando. Yeah. Right. Where he returns to, is it Mosespa? Whatever city he returns uh, to yeah. with tattooing. Mm-hmm. Builds a new ship. Goes and visits Groku. So then we see Ahsoka Tano. We see Grogu's training with 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 Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. They ultimately reunite. Yeah. Because Luke gives Grogu a choice Mm -hmm. and Grogu decides he wants to go back with Mando because he can't, he can't complete his Jedi training because he can't let go of those connections. Right. So, so they're back, right? Mm -hmm. They're back together. Feels so good. And as they return to the places that they visited in season one and two, things mm-hmm. have changed. Progress is reaching the outer rim. Like it's almost like the like I I can it feels like those classic old west stories where you know like it was the cult that conquered the old west, mm-hmm. and you know it, it went from the wild west to you know industrialization is coming with, you know, the railroads opening things up and, you know, law has to come to the wild west, right? That, that kind of feels like the themes that they're starting to break into on season yeah. three. Um, where like everyone's telling Mando that he needs to go get like, go settle down. Right. There's was an episode one or two where he returns and he's talking to grief park and he's like, Hey, come be my law, man. I'll give you a, yeah. I'll I'll give you, you know, a parcel of land and you can just like chill out there, make some money. Look at yeah, like look Luke around works. you. Like we're building. This is, you know, we can get rich off of this. Right. Like no more yeah, running no. across the galaxy and getting shot at is basically the point that he was making to him. Yeah. But he's on a vision quest, man. And Mando's like, nah, man. I I need I'm an apostate. Cause he's been, he took off his, took off his helmet yeah. in season two when he was rescuing Grogu. And so he's apostate mm-hmm. from his like religion. And the only way is he's got to return to Mandalore <laughs> yeah. and, and, and bathe in these living waters, which is most of episode two is him traveling back to Mandalore. Right. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's, 
you know, catching up on the story is cool. And, and it's, it's been pretty gripping because they're, they're telling the story. Yes. You know, as they're, you know, as they're, they're going on and every little thing is a little piece. It's obviously going to rear its head somewhere at a certain point in the, in the series, which, which they always kind of return to that, which is good. It's good. Uh, storytelling. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, so, so that's the thing that kind of has me, you know, you know, gripping onto things, you know, where it's, where it's like, Oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? You know? And, and it's not like it, what was problematic about, you know, Obi-Wan versus the Mandalorian is that it was, it was really, um, every, it was just kind of linear storyline with a cliffhanger ending at every single, every single episode. Um, Boba Fett was, you know, flashback heavy where they should have actually just preloaded that at the beginning of the season. And then, um, just devoted an episode to that, to the sand people thing, and then kind of carried on with a linear storyline. Um, because there was really no payoff for the flashbacks and, and, you know, except for that one fight at the end. But, um, you know, so it's, they, they really just kind of nail down the storytelling less is more, um, is, is kind of the direction they're going into. So it's, it's been pretty, pretty gripping as, as it is. And I just like, I cannot wait for the next episode. I'll, I'll tell you, I was excited to get more of, of Katie Sackhoff and, and her character of Bo-Katan. Sure. Like when they, when she made her appearance on Mm -hmm. in season two, where he met those other Mandalorians, I was Mm -hmm. like amazing. And, inspired casting not only did she play the voice in in the clone wars mm-hmm. but to bring her back and and to be yeah. able to like cast her uh, across media um mm-hmm. in the live action version of bo-katan um yeah. and then to revisit her in season three so mm-hmm. early on right which means yeah. if if they if they go kind of the same arc that they have in the previous seasons where like, you know, Mando comes across, you know, meets all these new kind of cast of characters. And like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a episode of the, the blank of the week episode, but then all of it kind of comes together at the end where he reunites with everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To see her appear this early in the season is encouraging that we're going to see her again. And a lot of her considering where the story might go. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like they're going to be, you know, kind of in tandem for the rest of the, the seasons, which is, which is pretty cool. And, yeah. and I, I'm just really excited to see, um, you know, just kind of moving the, the conversation forward. I'm really excited to see where they're going to take that and where Mandalore is going to be with him having the dark saber. Well, right, right. So that that's the linchpin to all of this, right? So, like, yeah. obviously, where it's going is, she said in the episode, in the beginning of the episode, where all of her people have scattered to the wind, right? They're all mercenaries now. Yeah. They took the ships; they're mm-hmm. gone. And the only thing that's going to reunite these people is a Mandalorian who earned the dark saber in 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 battle, wielding yeah. that thing and uniting their people. 
right? And since Mando's got it. Yeah. And that seems to be his goal is, is, you know, the bringing Mandalorians and Mandalore, you know, back to mm-hmm. greatness again. Um, right. You know, I, I definitely see that direction that they're going to go. Uh, maybe not like achieving that goal by the end of the season, but certainly taking large steps of at least, at least uniting the Mandalorians. Right. Yeah. True. But then like, so let me who's the main bad guy then? Right. Is it, is this is think we still the empire? I uh, I don't know. That's a good question, but I, I do have an interesting question for you. Yeah. So if anyone who if anyone who leads or who wields the dark saber, and as we know in Star Wars canon, um, Darth Maul, who was cut in half at the end of Episode One, who ended up with some crazy spider legs and you know still continue to live, um, also was one who actually had the dark saber and yeah. ruled Mandalore. Yeah. Um, which I read. I hadn't watched any of these cartoons. So is it necessary for the Mandalorian to bathe in the waters, the living waters on Mandalore, when he is the person who is essentially the ruler of Mandalore? That's a question. Uh, that I well, I think I think they address that when 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 Bo-Katan actually takes him down into the, the mm-hmm. living waters where she says, yeah, I, I, I did this as a child where I recited the oath and I bathed in the waters as part of like a ritual for Mandalorian. Right. So I imagine that is part of the ritual is that he is the rightful wielder of the dark saber and he's recited the oath in the living water. So, I imagine that does make him the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Plus, yeah. as revealed at the end of episode two, is that what's that beast called again? That's the sigil oh. of, of the Mandalorians. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the name of it is. But what about it? You're looking at it. It's up. the uh what was it? The mythosaur. Mm-hmm. So so the whole thing with the living waters is like the mythosaur lives down there and it was revealed at the end that mm-hmm. like Bokatan sees the mythosaur as she's pulling Mando back from you know the depths of this pool. Right. So maybe he like tames the mythosaur and like rides it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, yeah, it, I'm pretty you know, it seems like the scale of the Mandalorian's about to get bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Season one were, were really small localized stories of like the Mandalorian just trying. It was like Mandalorian year one. Almost, yeah, right. Where right, where right. he's like gaining his armor and mm-hmm. all those like 
trying to defeat some Jawas, right? Sure. Season two is getting a little like opening up the world a little bit more, right? Um, you know, introducing you know stories outside of the Outer Rim, and you know, bringing elements of like the New Republic in, and you know what mm-hmm. eventually will become like the First Order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then season three seems like they're starting to unlock much bigger pieces of like, will he become the ruler of Mandalore? Will he restore Mandalore to its former glory? Like yeah. how does that fit in with the new Republic? How does that mm-hmm. fit in with like this period of star Wars history that occurs between trilogies? Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? So like, yeah, uh, it looks like the scale of the Mandalorian is about to get much larger. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm excited. Well, I guess we'll see what happens in this season. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. first take, what do you think? Uh, definitely a watch. Yeah, yeah. Watch for sure. It was probably yeah. going to be that anyway, but like the first two episodes did not disappoint. That's for sure. Not at all. Not at all. So, definitely. So, all right. Well, that is our final take. So, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, give us five stars, glowing reviews. So our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives that definitely need to binge, binge, binge. And thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Final Take Pod. Email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com and check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com. All right. Until next time. We'll see you then.